0: On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now.
2: You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and Americanamusicmagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Dana Cooper's lifelong passion to perform music began at the age of two in Kansas City, heavily influenced by his father, George. He began playing in bands in his early teens, and by the age of 20, had moved to L.A. to pursue a record deal with Elektra Records. Now, an impressive 28 albums later, Dana joins us to talk about his new CD, I Can Face the Truth, on this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Good morning, Dana. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Greg.
3: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
2: Good to talk to you today. I am speaking to you presently in Nashville, is that correct?
3: That is correct, yes.
2: Uh, But not your original home?
3: Well, originally I'm from Missouri, uh, and uh, I got out of there pretty much as quickly as I could. um, (laughs) Just to
1: head out to, uh,
3: I did the college coffeehouse circuit for a while, and then I went out to California when I was 20. And and gravitated down to Texas and eventually to
2: Nashville. (laughs) All in the pursuit of music.
3: All pursue music. Yes, sir. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Um, so I, I was reading through some of the uh, uh, some of your bio, and uh, you, you got started pretty early, right, in Kansas City with music or music appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: music appreciation. Yeah, I did. I uh, I got I my first guitar when I was twelve, and uh, I started playing drums around the same time. And uh, I I was much better at banging on things, than I and I wasn't. Figuring out how to play, uh, play a guitar. So it took me about a year there, twelve to thirteen. I kind of noodled around on it, started writing some songs, and uh, playing in uh, you know little high school bands, uh, playing drums or guitar and singing. And uh, yeah, I kind of. By the time I was sixteen, I guess I was playing the the couple of the prestigious uh, folk clubs in Kansas City, the Vanguard and the Sun Coffee House and as well as continuing to play in bands. I kind of always mixed it up a little bit, but started playing my songs out then and mixed up with, you know, cover songs of various kinds.
2: Do you recall a a moment in in your younger days when it was pretty clear to you this is what you wanted to pursue?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, right around that time, I guess by the time I was around 16, um, no, I held on to some... Some questions and some doubts about it, which were fed of course by my 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 family and stuff too, on and off just through concern for me <laughs> and my mother in particular. Uh, it seems but, to be the story
2: uh, of every musician, of course it is <laughs> when
1: <laughs> right are
3: you gonna
2: when, when are you gonna on. get an education and get a real job right <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly it's, I understand it the older i get the, the the more clearly I see the the picture there for the parents, but um yeah i uh. I, I kept, I persisted in it. You know, I, I I had some acumen for drawing and for painting. And my mother's a, a painter and my sister and, and my mother's brother, my uncle, Frank. And, you know, there's a whole line of painters in, on her side of the family. And I had a painting scholarship to college mm. and uh, I went for well I went to school about a year. I attended classes about half the year and uh, the rest of the time I just spent sitting under a tree playing guitar for girls uh, it was a, <laughs> it was an all women's Catholic college oh, until wow. the year I went there I became co-ed so I was one of three men on campus with all these girls and uh, uh, so about a year into that I just I, I just gave up and walked away from the scholarship, which pretty much really disillusioned my mother
1: yep <laughs>
3: and uh, you know I, Went out eventually as soon as I could. I got out on the road, and did the college coffeehouse circuit for for about four or five months, and, until I was fired from uh, for using bad language at a Lutheran College where I went oh, yeah. And uh, I was I was uh, yeah I was way into Lenny Bruce at the time, and had to talk dirty and influence people. And I was kind of incorporating some pretty provocative language in my shows, and uh, yeah, didn't didn't bode well for yeah. Yeah, college imagine. coffee out circuit at the time. The kids loved it, but the faculty didn't. Yep. So. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but so, I, I knew pretty early on, you know, I was always really into music. My father was super into music. He took me to see Ernest Tub when I was three. Wow. So, um, he uh,
2: planted a seed.
3: Yeah, it was quite, a, uh, it was not like just going to the concert. I mean, we had to go walk for miles and get on a, Freight train and rode on a caboose into Kansas City to,
1: wow. uh,
3: and rode a bus over to Kansas City, Kansas to see him. So it was like it was a real big deal for my dad to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had he, I don't know how he even afforded to do it. Honestly, we were so broke, but he did. And and so very early on, I was I'd already been into the radio and listening to songs and singing along with the radio with My dad he got a kick out of that. And so I you know I. <laughs> In retrospect, I think I knew more than I realized right. at the time. Um, yeah yeah. Yeah, it took me a while to really latch on to it and get, okay, you know, one could actually pursue this as a, some kind of a career.
2: <clears throat> and and if I read correctly, you you ended up at a fairly young age in California recording an album.
3: I did. I, I went out there when I was 20 and... Uh, uh, before I was 21, I had a, a record deal on Elektra Records. Uh, yeah, I actually signed the contract when I was 21. We waited to sign the contract when I went in the studio. I guess it came out when I was uh, it came out in '73. Wow. So I was 22 when yeah. it actually was released. But I got to work with uh, you know uh, Russ Conklin Leland Scar of the Section and uh, a bunch of people from Record Crew, uh, Jim Gordon, okay, um, yeah. Joe Osborne, yeah. Jim Horn, all those folks. So I had the.
2: That's pretty big for uh, for a musician in the '70s. You know, it, it's not like it is today. Um, you know, you had to you had to get somebody's attention, obviously.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I was very fortunate there, and uh, of course, I now I realized how little of a clue I had um, <laughs> about any of it. And uh, at the time, I thought, well, hell, I've read Rolling Stone magazine. I I know what the music right, is yeah. all about. him. You know. but. Uh, uh-huh, yeah, uh yeah, It was uh, I got dropped uh, a year and a half or so after that if the record came out and I toured the country and you know, I got to open for people like Towns van Zandt and met Towns for the first time and uh Leo Kotke and Persuasions and oh, yeah. John Fahey, people like that. So it yeah, was yeah. it was a real interesting uh, time for me. I mean just it truly really was and yeah, it was devastating when I lost my deal, but uh
1: yeah.
3: but you know, about a year later i i realized uh it that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me at the time hmm. uh, i was yeah i was just living a was a little too wild there i don't know how long it would have lasted that right so um yeah it was it was a real experience and and i've i've since seen uh Russ and, and Leland uh when I opened uh, some shows for La love it he's an old friend and mm-hmm. he used open for a band I hadn't texas years ago when he was a college kid so once in a while he kindly lets me do the same for him now and uh russ and and Lee and lascar were playing in his band and i was in my little dressing room and knock at the door and opened up and there these two guys i hadn't seen them since wow. that recording but they remembered me and wow. were so sweet and gracious i mean i just wow really yeah. blew me away
2: yeah wow <laughs> that's cool so yeah. how, so you've been able to record 20-some, almost 30 records uh, over the course of your career. How much of that has been intentional, uh, you know, a, a, a calculated uh, journey of sorts, or has or it kind of just been this just kind of a tumbling troubadour just pursuing the thing that, that turns you on?
3: Well, I guess a little both, really. I mean, you know, I really take a lot of. Uh, uh, it, it takes a lot to put out a record. I see these great accomplishments that human beings uh, make, you know, and I, and achieve. And I just I don't understand how how they do it. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how anyone makes a film, for instance, from you know, just making a a ten to 14, 15 song album takes so much time and effort mm-hmm. and thought but uh yeah it's all been uh you know the majority of those projects w- were things i did either with on my own or with my band and uh dc3 nuclear family folks like that and then some of them were done with with shake wrestle a handful of those probably four or five of them i guess actually over the years we did uh we'll play playing and writing partners and uh he grew up in Kansas City as well, so we met one of your teenagers there. So mm-hmm. it's really, a, you know, um, it's it, you said something about a journey, and it truly has. I was just thinking this the other day, what an interesting uh, path it's been for me and, and mm-hmm. how fortunate I've been. I mean, I've always been able to, uh, as down, low down, and, and uh, impoverished as I might have been at any point in time, I always had music to turn to. Mm-hmm. And... And to do these projects, uh, to work with such incredible musicians all my life, I mean, I just, it's a, yeah, it, it's it's quite a thing. I, I learn a lot from all these folks.
2: We're going to pause for just a moment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the interview. Mm-hmm. Songwriting has obviously been a, a central part of that, right? You're doing mm-hmm. all original music. When, when did that, when did you realize that that was going to be the thing that allowed you to record so many records
3: well i guess I, I mean i really i was always so into the songwriting and and loved to, to do it and wanted to do it so much and and, and i saw very clearly at the onset uh, just how uh, bad it, i was at it at the time <laughs> how much i had to learn yeah. you know we all set up these you know we have our goals we have our our heroes and heroines that we look up to and try to meet up too, you know, and uh, so I was always doing that. And as discouraging as it was, I always would, you know, pull my boots up again and go, "Okay, let's try again. See if we make it better." And uh, but really, I guess around that time of the Electra album, that's when I started seriously thinking, "Okay, you know, uh, yes, maybe the songwriting path is going to be uh, <clears throat> the way I go." In fact, I turned down a, a songwriting deal. Uh, and, um, it was, uh, I was introduced to the guy I would share an office, uh, uh, office with, and, and, you know, this was at A&M Records.
1: Mm.
3: <clears throat> and I, uh, I really was tempted to take that, but, uh, I really wanted to be an artist. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things I've thought back on a lot. i wonder if if I had done that, uh, you know, if I had taken that gig, mm-hmm. I think things would have been well, obviously any change you make will make you completely change your, mm-hmm. your, your path. But mm-hmm. but uh yeah, and, and I you know, for many years I doubted and second guessed myself as a writer. And mm-hmm. in fact in Los Angeles, by the time I left there, you know, I I literally went to two different offices in one day to meet with executives and I played music for each of them and one of them said, Your songs are too repetitious, they're just too repetitious. And I went, you know, an hour later with another guy, and he seriously said to me, "Your songs aren't repetitious enough." Wow. And I <laughs> thought I was going to lose my mind. <laughs> I went back to my little apartment and tried to write a song based on what these two guys had said to me. And I just, I just gave up. I just left LA. I said, that, "That's crazy. I can't do this. You know, no, that's not." So anyway, um, once I kind of quit listening completely to. Uh, all those folks,
1: yeah,
2: uh, yeah.
3: you know, uh, or not completely quit listening, but uh, engaged and balanced out people's advice and suggestions a little more, mm-hmm. and started to believe a little more and, and have a little stronger convictions to what into what I was doing. But you know that stuff continues on. I mean, I, I would think for anyone creative, it's. You're always going to have some amount of self-doubt. I always am mm-hmm. very suspicious of people who don't seem to have any. But, <laughs> but,
2: yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have a process? You know, does a song just hit you, and you've got to sit down and get it on paper, or do you? Is it more methodic than that?
3: Sometimes it's like a bolt of lightning. Sometimes it's like just you know, you sh- sh- struck a match, and there's a little spark. I mean, it's it's just. Um, there's a lot of, uh, just building block kind of stuff. I have to have, yeah, I've got to have some, um, mu- it usually comes from the music these days.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it
3: re- initially it was really, you know, I wrote poetry. Then I started setting poetry to music and I, yeah. And, and now it's, it's more likely that I'll have 15 or 20 musical ideas in a, you know, in a month. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, out of those, uh, I may not write anything Mm -hmm. or I may find a gem in there and go, I really want to pursue this. Um, Mm -hmm. And that'll sometimes come from a line, a lyric that'll pop into my head somewhere uh, on a walk. I took long walks every day and that usually is your time to get some kind of ideas, rhythm Mm -hmm. ideas, a lyric idea, something. Um, and, uh, and then I just start to, yeah, I mean, I've always sort of got something. I'm always working on something. Uh, uh, and once in a while, uh, Things will, uh, like I said, just like a bolt of lightning. You'll just, you know, wow! I have to write this. This is coming to me right now. Mm-hmm. The music and the lyric, kind of together, at least some seed that I can start developing, you know, and, and run with. And uh, but really, rhythms and melodies, music, all the different guitar tunings, those things. Really, I just have so much fun playing with them, and uh, that's where I, you know, the most exciting ideas come for me Mm -hmm. out of those things Uh, and uh the rhythm itself might imply melody if i don't have Mm -hmm. a melody just a beat Mm -hmm. uh, or if i just have written a few lines uh i'll say them out loud and kind of you know different inflections and expression and out of that i can get the hand of a melody Mm -hmm. um to kind of yeah. I, I really prefer that, you know, the thing, when when you come up with, when I come up with music first, which, like I said, is usually how it is now, uh, I have a surplus of music ideas, you know, those, uh, that can be hard to, you know, when there's mm-hmm. something you really dig playing, and you, you can just sit there and just play it over and over and over again, relentlessly, and no words come to you, because you just kind of get so lost in the music and the mm-hmm.
2: rhythm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, what am I going to say here? That's yeah. always my... That's always my big question. What is it I want to yeah. say? Tomorrow?
2: Interesting. And the latest culmination, of course, is is the record that's it's on the way out. Um, I can face the truth. Is that right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's it. That's it.
2: And that's I, I due out this month, February, correct?
3: February eighteenth is the release, official release date. Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. And the songs on this one. Uh, were you working on a, this, this is a project intentionally or you got to a certain point when you knew you had enough to, to do another record? Well, this was real
3: different from, yeah, usually that's how it is for me. I usually have a collection of things and I'm just sort of ready. Okay. Now I need to get in there and do a record with, you know, and this one, uh, I wasn't there yet. You know, I'd really, uh, my career honestly was sort of just, uh, languishing there i felt like and mm-hmm. uh, the last cd i'd put out um uh incendiary kid which i really was proud of worked on that with tom utes and again just incredible players on there i, I thought the songs were really good mm-hmm. uh you know uh, i was on a little label that did the best they could with it um not much happened with it and my touring was slowing down so for a couple of years i've kind of been in this just uh, i was still doing it but And loving it when I could get up on stage and play, but really, you know, kind of in a quandary as what I was going to do next. Mm -hmm. And I went to see, um, I think it was a year to the day of my mother's death, or it was right around there. um, Because two days later, I went to the studio with Dave Coleman. I ran into him um, at a club. He was playing there with with a band, his band. Mm -hmm. And I'd seen Dave over the years with different people, a lot of different artists just he, he i loved his musicality so i went up and talked to him and we'd met earlier just never really talked and he said well, look i love what you do too why don't you come to my studio and and listen to some of the things i've been producing and working on and co-producing and uh see if you want to record something we'll hmm. record a song of yours and see if you like it and then we could talk about what to do mm-hmm. and it was just the perfect thing uh i went in there with i Can face the truth which i had written up long before that and uh and we just uh, recorded the song that day, and by the end of the day, I just looked through my photos. The other day, on the seventeenth of October, uh, is our first is the day we did that. It took mm. a, a selfie of the two of us in the studio. And we we said let's we're going to do a record project. Well, it was two thousand eighteen, wow. and uh, <laughs> it took <laughs> that long to uh, to get this whole thing going. Yeah. Um, but we started, uh, I was touring a lot, and I just kind of wrote the songs, a lot of them on the road, uh, co-wrote some of these songs with friends of mine, Tom Kimmel, Kimmer Chi. Um, a couple of the songs were older songs that I'd never recorded, uh, one from the 70s and one from the 90s. Oh, cool. um,
1: okay.
3: And, and I I have always wanted to record them, as perfect, it just fit the... The, uh, the, it fit the project really well, it felt like. So, and the rest of them, yeah, I had a, co- a few more that were written, and then I just had some that were partially written. I finished off with co-writers or on my own and wrote a couple of new ones uh, right in the middle of the project. Uh, I know a girl wrote with, with, uh, with Dave Coleman. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, Upside Down Day, I wrote to, on my own right at the start of the pandemic when I was out in Washington State. Uh, Played my last show and got in my car, drove home in a couple of days, uh, just straight through. I slept in parking lots and, you know, yeah, uh, stopped at rest areas and and just uh, ate out of my ice cooler and got myself home and shut the door for, you know, a year. (laughs) So we didn't work on the project for quite a while. It took uh, getting back in slowly once COVID lightened up a little bit, Mm -hmm. shut down again. Everybody getting vaccinated going in again uh so it's a real i've never done anything like that i've never been through a pandemic before so there you right, go right yeah
2: <laughs> so do you okay. have a plan for being able to get out and share this music you've got a tour lined up or how do you have anything like that set up
3: i do greg i've got a tour uh my manager corinne is just booking the heck out of me yeah and, uh, awesome you know it's real uh we're starting in Texas, February and March, uh, I think, for February 20th. I'm in San Antonio, the Lonesome Rose, and I go from there over to Austin, Gagas Cafe, Houston Anderson Fair, and a bunch of little towns like Temple and, and uh, New Braunfels, and, yeah, uh, go to Fort Worth. So I'm doing that whole thing uh, through the middle of March. Then, right at the end of March, go up and do a couple of things in Michigan. Yeah, it's it's uh, going to be in New England probably in okay. uh, the fall. I know I've got things booked up there, so... All through the year, I have stuff all over the country, and, uh, That's yeah. That's good,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just being cautious. That yeah, Sure, yeah. Yeah.
2: So, if if folks want to hear the, the new record or uh, listen to your catalog or, or reach out and get in touch, what's the best way to do all that?
3: Well, my website is always a good place for a lot of that stuff, and if my tour schedule get on the email list to see what I've got for sale and that kind of thing. Um... Uh, and that's Dana Cooper com. Um, pretty easy and social and media, uh,
2: all, all those outlets. Yeah,
3: yeah. 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 I'm on Instagram, on
2: Facebook, okay. on
3: Twitter, doing all that stuff. Uh, Music
2: on the Spotify and iTunes and all those places.
3: Yes, it's yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. It's up all those places. I'm not pulling anything down yet. <laughs> Sorry, but... yeah, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I get it. I, yeah, but I, know. I, I know. I. But I, from my viewpoint, it's you know, it it helps to educate people about what I'm doing, turn sure. them on to me, and yeah, my sure. music. Right. It's like, well, every way you can do that. At this point, I. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One fan at a time. Right, right? there
2: you go. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Dan, it's been good uh hearing your story and and uh, I'm always intrigued uh every songwriter seems to have a slightly different uh a way of approaching their craft and so it's always it's always interesting to hear how how you guys do that. So, I appreciate you sharing that with us and we wish you the best with this new record.
3: Thank you so much, Greg. Thanks for having. Me. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the internet at americanarhythm.com.
0: What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem?
1: What's the problem?
0: Would you lie? Would you cheat? Were
1: they shot? Were they shot?
0: Would you kill?
1: Yes. I don't know. My mom is dead. My mom is right there.
0: From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast.